When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. No EJ Raddick today. We're going to have him Wednesday. Fancy schmancy. He's at a golf tournament today, so I'm sure he's rubbing elbows with some of the greats of the game of hockey because EJ does not uh, slum it. He obviously does it with the best. So we'll probably get a recap of that coming up on Wednesday. So no EJ, but we will have him in a couple of days. Kind of go over things from last night, and I guess the big story is the Golden Knights squander a point. They blow a two-goal lead late at home against the San Jose Sharks, lose in the shootout 5-4. You just can't have that happen. I know they've got the injury to Leonard, although he was dressed last night, and there's that whole thing where the organization thinks he's done, and DeBoer says, I don't know anything about that, and it just it's kind of a mess. They did have 46 shots on goal. Reimer was really good for San Jose. But Benito makes it a 4-3 game with 2.06 left. And then Meyer scores with .9 to go to force overtime. And then the Sharks end up getting the goal they need in the shootout. So here's where we stand right now in, in the last of the competitive races for who's in, who's out, as the East has been done forever. And now we just wait to see who's going to get that last playoff spot. Vancouver now done as they sit five points back with only two to play. So the Canucks gave it that old college try, but came up short. They got doubled up on Saturday against the Flames, who are just really, really good. We'll talk about that in just a second. But you've got Nashville, you've got Dallas, you've got Vegas. The Kings still have not clinched yet. So here's what we're looking at. the the Right now, the Vegas Golden Knights have three games left. So they could get to 96 points. The Kings have just two games left. So the Kings, if they lose both of their games and Vegas sweeps, that would then give Vegas, if they win all their games in regulation, 36 row wins to, or at least regulation wins, to the Kings right now, 34. So Vegas can still get to third in the Pacific Division and then knock Vegas out completely And then you've got Dallas with the last playoff spot. So Vegas is three points back at Dallas. They play each other tomorrow. So that'll go a long way to determining what's happened there. Vegas wins that game in regulation. They'll be just a point back of Dallas uh, with both teams having two games left to play. Uh, Nashville still wants to clinch up a playoff spot as well. They're going to be home against Calgary. They've got 94 points. So things still very much up in the air. We will play games here through um, Friday as far as um, as far as games that matter are concerned because the National Hockey League is actually going to be making up a game this weekend. There's going to be one game on Sunday, the Kraken at the Winnipeg Jets, but both teams have been eliminated from playoff contention, so that game's not going to matter. So really all that matters as far as um, playoffs are concerned are the games that we're going to be looking at here at the end of April. So we just got one game tonight. Doesn't matter. Flyers and the Blackhawks, both those teams are done. As we told you, Dallas is going to take on Vegas tomorrow. 
So that's going to be a big deal as far as who's going to make the playoffs. We mentioned the Predators home for the Calgary Flames. That's also go a long way to determining things. Vegas then will be in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks on Wednesday, while Dallas is home for Arizona. So Dallas is in pretty good shape as far as who they have to play a home game against Arizona. So that will go a long way to deciding what's going to be happening there. Kings are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks to close out uh, their schedule. They'll also be taking on the Kraken on Wednesday. So the Kings on the road at Seattle, at Vancouver. So that's what we're looking at. We'll talk more about it on Wednesday, obviously recapping what happened in that Tuesday meeting between um, the Dallas Dallas, um, Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. That is going to be a huge game game coming up tomorrow so that should be a lot of fun but Vegas really did this to themselves obviously with the salary cap situation the injuries to the goaltending and all that but still a plus 17 goal differential to a minus 10 for Dallas if you take a look and we've talked about this a lot on game misconduct every single team in the playoffs in the east have a plus goal differential Every team out of the playoffs has a minus goal differential. The last playoff spot right now is owned by Washington. They're at plus 38. The The best of the non-playoff teams are the Islanders at minus 11. So goal differential, and I told you this a million times, Neil Smith told me that when the shootout came in. He's like, if you really want to know how good a team is, take a look at their goal differential. But the West, it's kind of different, right? The, the Kings are third in the Pacific Division with only a plus two. Dallas has the last playoff spot at minus 10. You've got Vegas at plus 17. And that's better than Nashville, better than the Kings, and yet they still might be on the outside looking in for the playoffs depending on what happens over the next couple of days. Vancouver is at plus 10. That's better, obviously, than Dallas, better than the Kings, and yet they've been eliminated from playoff contention. So it's not a tried-and-true test. But it does give you a pretty serious indication right now. The only team in the playoffs right now with a minus goal differential is Dallas. The only two teams out are Vegas and Vancouver. And Vegas still can do something about that. But still, we will have Vancouver not in with a plus uh, goal differential of 10, which is a rarity. But it does show you how true it is, especially taking a look at the East. Now, everything else pretty much stands as far as positioning is concerned. And we don't really know any matchups uh, definitively, and we will get the schedule, I would assume, either Friday night or Saturday morning, um, because everybody's playing on Friday with the exception of Carolina. That's interesting for the Rangers. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then we'll probably get it sometime Saturday. The playoffs start on May 2nd, but not everybody will play on May 2nd. So you're either going to start on the 2nd or the 3rd, and we'll, we'll decide the matchups. Rangers' chances of winning the Metropolitan took a blow on Saturday with Carolina's come-from-behind victory over the Devils and the Rangers losing in Boston. So you took a look at Carolina, and Carolina, a lot like Florida lately, spotting teams' leads and coming back to win. They did it on Thursday against Winnipeg, down 2 nothing, scored four and answer goals to win that game 4-2. They spotted New Jersey two goals on Saturday, waited to less than five minutes to go in the game to come back and win in overtime. So right now, Carolina it has a four-point lead on the Rangers because then Carolina played the following day out on the island and won there. So Carolina's got a four-point lead on the Rangers. The Rangers, though, still have a game in hand and will play Carolina tomorrow. So the only way the Rangers can right now win this division, they still can, but it's going to take a lot of heavy lifting and it's going to take a couple of breaks. First of all, Rangers have to beat Carolina in regulation. They do that, they'll be two back still with a game in hand. Now the Rangers game in hand will be the following day on Wednesday at home against Montreal. 
If you fancy yourself as a division winner, you should be able to beat the Canadians in your own building. That would then put the Rangers back in a tie with Carolina. Now, Carolina still has the game in hand. Even if the Rangers win that game in regulation tomorrow, they'll still be one regulation win back of Carolina for the tiebreaker. So the Rangers still would have work to do. They'd still have to officially pass uh, Carolina. Now, Carolina, after the Ranger game, they will take on the New Jersey Devils. They will play the Devils coming up on Thursday. That game will be in Carolina. So Carolina wins that game, then the Rangers would be dead. But if Carolina were to lose that game, then the Rangers would know if they beat Washington, they would then overtake first place and win the division. Now, they they need a break. First of all, they need New Jersey, who's playing out the string. They got shut out yesterday at home by the Red Wings, and um, Heashier didn't play because of a non-COVID illness. So they're banged up and probably ready to hit the golf course. So I would not rely on New Jersey beating Carolina, but stranger things have happened. But it's all going to be a moot point anyway if Carolina wins tomorrow against the Rangers, then it would be officially over. And then that's what would be interesting as far as how the Rangers would then handle the last two games of the season. Uh, Kreider is three goals away from the franchise record, uh, tying the franchise record in goals with 54. Um, But do you want to push him to try to do that, or do you want to try to give him a rest? Uh, Panarin's got a chance at 100 points for the first time in his career. He's stuck at 96 as he didn't score a point against Boston on Saturday. Uh, Do you give him a rest? Sabanajad is somebody who's got 80 points. That's the most in uh, his career. Uh, How do you handle the goaltending situation? Uh, I've talked to Dave Maloney about this, my partner on the Rangers radio side, and he believes if you're healthy, you play. But at the same time, you look at what happened to Heedle the other night. Cop, they had that big win against the Islanders. Both were unable to play against Carolina. Looks like they'll both be in the lineup tomorrow. We're still waiting for Capo Caco. Everything kind of points to the Rangers finishing in second. They can finish no lower than second. So obviously you want to try to give it the old college try if you were to win against Carolina and see it through. But I guess if there is a positive in losing to Carolina is that you don't have to really kill yourself to win the last two games But you also don't want to go into the playoffs on a four-game losing streak. This is a team that has not lost more than two straight games in regulation all year. Four times, I think four or five times, they've lost two in a row in regulation. Never lost a third in regulation. So I wouldn't want to throw those games away against Montreal and Washington either. But still, something to consider. As far as who the Rangers would play if they finish in second place, well, right now it looks like it would be Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got the one-point lead on Washington. Washington lost in overtime to Toronto yesterday, but more importantly, Alexander Ovechkin had to leave this game after taking a header into the end boards. Doesn't look like it's going to be overly serious. Did not return to the game, so I guess we really don't know what his status is going to be for the rest of the season. But Washington, um, to avoid Carolina, would would probably want um, not avoid Carolina to avoid Florida because they right now would be the last wild card if things were to end today. They've got a game Thursday against the Islanders and then the game Friday against the New York Rangers to close out the season. And as I mentioned, they've got a game in hand. They still have three more games to play. So they're going to be playing Tuesday as well, the um, the Washington Capitals. They're going to be out uh, at home against the Islanders, uh, I guess, for the home and home. So 
They've got their three games remaining, so they could still catch Pittsburgh. So the Rangers can play Pittsburgh. As if it ended today, they can play Washington. The Rangers still could win the division, which would mean a date with either Boston or Tampa. Right now, third place is very much open in the Atlantic division. Tampa, who's won three in a row, now have 106 points. Boston, they've won two in a row, including the win against the Rangers. They're three points back of Tampa with the same amount of games played. However, right now, Boston has the tiebreaker. Now Columbus is going to be uh, is going to be in Tampa for their next game while Boston plays Florida. So if I had to guess right now, if you're looking at it, the only thing kind of up in the air for me right now is whether the Rangers will play Pittsburgh or Washington in the first round. I don't think the Rangers are going to catch Carolina. I think Carolina is going to wrap that up this week. Carolina cannot catch Florida. They're not only going to win the East, they're going to probably win the President's Trophy. So Florida is going to take on either Pittsburgh or Washington. The Rangers are either going to take on Pittsburgh or Washington. And then it just comes down to um, who Carolina would end up playing. Again, Carolina would play Boston or Washington again as well. And then you would have Toronto and Tampa likely going to be the first-round matchup. So at least Toronto gets to avoid having to face Boston in the first round, which has been an Achilles heel for this team for the last decade. So that's kind of what's up uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, The other thing is if you take a look at the Western Division and the Central, Nashville obviously cannot catch St. Louis. So we're locked into Minnesota-St. Louis in the first round. The only thing is where... That will be as far as home ice. Both teams have 109 points, but St. Louis by far has got the tiebreaker. 43 regulation wins to Minnesota's um, 36. Minnesota's next game is against Arizona. St. Louis's next game is at Colorado. Minnesota has a game in hand. So Minnesota, despite not having the tiebreaker, in pretty good shape because of the game in hand in the next game at home against Arizona, that Minnesota, I think, will get that top seed. Um Calgary, they are locked in, I think, to uh, obviously the number one seed in the Pacific, the number two in the Western Conference. So Colorado will play either Nashville, Dallas, or Vegas, and then the same goes for uh, Calgary. Looks like we're Edmonton and Los Angeles, as we stand right now, could still be Vegas, but Edmonton would have the home ice advantage in that one unless unless the Kings clinch up a spot and can still pass them as they have 96 points. So again, I don't want to confuse you and you're probably brains darting back and forth. The fact is, is that we're down to three games for some, two for others. Everything is going to be over on Friday and there's still a lot up for grabs as far as what the matchups will be and still a possibility of Dallas or Vegas um, determining who is going to get that last playoff spot and Vegas possibly knocking the Kings out of it, which would be an unbelievable story considering how the Kings have played all year and the Kings have actually been hot, winners of four four in a row. So lots to keep an eye on there. Should be a lot of fun down the stretch uh, of this season uh, to get to the playoffs, to get a full playoffs, a, a typical playoffs with buildings full, is just going to be amazing, and it's going to be a lot of fun. The other thing I wanted to get to in what turned out to be, well, not down to script for St. Louis because they're trying to get home ice, but they beat the Ducks in Anaheim 6-3. to Ryan Getzloff send-off as the Ducks will finish up their season on the road. So the last game in Anaheim for the greatest player ever to play 
for the Anaheim Ducks. Of course, a major part of that 2007 Cup championship. Uh, this has been a competitive team for the majority of the time that he has been there. He had a wicked assist on the Henrique goal that made it 6-3 late in the third period. So he definitely got his moment, the last moment in Anaheim. Just a terrific, terrific player, Ryan Getzloff, a good guy, and uh, certainly only 36 years old. But it's been you know, a rough uh, season for him, just 56 games played, three goals, 34 assists, and he's got over 1,000 points in his National Hockey League career. He's able to eclipse that this year. He's played over 1,100 games all in an Anaheim Duck uniform. And you know what? He closed it out pretty hard. Didn't score a goal in his last five games, but did have six points, including that wicked assist on the Henrique goal at the end of the game. So congratulations to Ryan Getzloff on all he's been able to do for the Anaheim Ducks in his career. He has just been an unbelievable player for that organization. And in my mind, you got Scott Niedemeyer, you've got, um, you got Perry, you've got uh, John Sebastian Jaguer, of course, uh, uh, Timu Solani spent a lot of the years here with the Ducks, won a cup with the Ducks as well. But if you ask me, uh, pound for pound, the uh, the greatest Duck of all time, Ryan Getzloff, as he was able to spend his whole career there. And what a stellar Hall of Fame career it has been for him. So uh, it was a joy watching him. And um, best of luck on everything that happens beyond this season for him. All right, let's hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. And we start with JJ, who says, game misconduct. Hey, Don LaGreca, what do you think is the best course of action this offseason for the Blackhawks to be back in the playoff hunt next year? Well, they've got to just be able to continue this rebuild. I mean, you look at, obviously, um, Taves is pretty much done. What do you do with Patrick Kane? Uh, let these young guys go. We, we talked about it on the podcast yesterday. I would want to keep Debrinket. I know that he can be an attractive piece to trade for this rebuild, but he's such a, such a good player. Uh, Kubalik is a good young player as well. Um, the goaltending's got to get itself in order. Obviously, um, they they tried what they could with Flurry there. Uh, didn't really work out as far as trying to steal a playoff position, but you were able to get what you could in the trade with Minnesota. So. Uh, the course of action is now what to keep and what to get rid of, and I think the era of Chicago Blackhawks hockey with Kane and Taves is now over. You're able to get three Stanley Cups out of it, and now it's just about you know, just growing. It, it, the, the fan base has been patient. They have been um, in a rebuild now for a little while, but in order really to complete the rebuild, it's starting to move on from some of those older players. Keith is now in Edmonton. Seabrook is retired. Um, you've already shed some of that um, – uh, you know Crawford's gone last few years so a lot of the guys that have contributed to those cups are gone and now it's time to make those very 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 difficult decisions uh, Johnny says are the Golden Knights becoming the NHL's Yankees it seems every other fan base likes them they're not exactly rootable right uh, obviously because of all the success this franchise has had if they miss the playoffs this year, which is a distinct possibility, it'll be the first time in franchise history they missed. They went to the Stanley Cup Final in their very first year. Um, so there's been a little jealousy as far as that's concerned. And then you see Seattle be one of the worst teams, which is typical for an expansion team, just kind of accentuates just unbelievable um, what Vegas has been able to accomplish and still might be able to make the playoffs for what would it be five straight years since coming into the league. Uh, but, yeah, they are, they are kind of unlikable. Uh, but um, I, 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 I've always liked them. I, li- I liked when Turk was there as their head coach. I like Pete DeBoer. 
Um, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of, of Max Pacioretty, but yeah, they become unlikable, and they've also been a team that hasn't been able to win. You know, consistently in the playoffs and not winning a championship. That's also very Yankee like as well. Uh, David says, simple question on uh, an always awkward topic. Who are some head coaches that are likely out after the season ends? My gut says Rick Bonus should be out after his meltdown and two bad seasons after their finals run. But I wonder if it's the heat that's in place for Detroit if, in New Jersey and Seattle. Well, I mean, I, listen, I was never a huge fan of uh, of the of the of the hiring in Seattle. I, I thought they could have done a better job there. Uh, Detroit. Again, they've been in a rebuild for a long time. A lot of young players. I just don't know what the um, what the appetite is going to be there. And in New Jersey, it's interesting too because they they're in a rebuild. But I asked this question, you know, because um, if if you if you listen to the Michael K show in New York, that you know Tom Thibodeau, like, why would you fire Tom Thibodeau because he had such a great year last year? Um, but is he the right guy for the direction the team's going into? I think that's a legitimate question with Lindy Ruff in New Jersey. Is he the right guy to take this team? And I'm not talking about his age. It's just that it's been a long time since there's been a lot of success with Lindy. I mean, that was 1999 when he almost won the Cup with Dallas. All right? He had some success um, Excuse me, with Buffalo. Had some success in Dallas. But not not a cup uh, run success, and and here in New Jersey they they're a great offensive team because they've got a lot of young players that are starting to blossom like Heeshear, like Hughes, um, but they don't have much of a blue line, and that's supposed to be the strength of Lindy Ruff, right? I mean their goaltending's been abysmal. Now does that save Lindy, or is it all right? Let's bring in somebody that might be a little bit more a- adept to what they do well which is play uh, straightforward offensive hockey. I'm a Lindy fan. Uh, I'm a fan of all of, of these coaches, too. But, you know, Seattle, I think I'd be patient. It's only one year. I mean, what did you really expect? The only reason there were any expectations around the Kraken was because of what the Golden Knights did a few years earlier. Detroit, I don't know. They play with heart. I mean, the Bertuzzi situation was an ugly one for sure. Uh, goaltending has been, you know, what it is. Um, but you know Larkin isn't getting any younger. I mean, so you can't keep, you can't keep calling him a kid. But certainly, uh, Cider Raymond, those are really good young players that you're going to try to build around. And I don't know if you could say in any of those situations that the issues with those teams and where they finished are necessarily coaching related. But at the same time, you you change what you can change. And I would not be. I, I cannot tell you all three will be back, but I'd be surprised if all three are gone. Now, David says there are a bunch of tasty matchups developing in the first round. Which one would you circle as a must-watch? Well, clearly, and it looks like we're locked into this one. Minnesota-St. Louis is going to be fabulous when you watch those two teams play each other. It's great. It's a contrast in style for sure. Um, with with a team that 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 really has a history of kind of clamping it down in Minnesota and a St. Louis team that certainly has the potential, especially with the addition of Bushnevich, who's got thirty goals, um, that would be a tremendously fun matchup that I would really 
really think uh, would, would be great. I mean, listen, Rangers, Penguins would be stupendous. If you take a look at the regular season meetings, there there was one blowout, but otherwise all the games were very competitive. Um, and if you get a healthy Crosby, a healthy Malkin, going up against a healthy Ranger team that looks like they'll have Kopp and Heedle, I think they'll have Kako to start things out. That looks like a tremendous matchup. I think the Toronto-Tampa matchup is going to be juicy as well. And let's face it, too. Whoever Florida faces, whether it's Boston or Washington, the pressure on the Panthers are going to be immense because even though they are by far the best team uh, in the Eastern Conference and probably in the NHL, when you take a look at their goal differential, a plus 100, which is saying something for their offense because they can be leaky. They finally saw their 13-game winning streak snap the other day. But they so they're hot going in, but they've have not been out of the first round since 1996, and I know that has nothing to do with a lot of the guys that are still here, but it's certainly something that's going to hang on this Panther team. Now they've never been this good, but they've won divisions before, and they've gone in with expectations in the postseason since 1996, haven't been able to live up to it. So there will be an inordinate amount of pressure on them and Colorado too. I mean, Colorado's been a team. This is like the third year, and we've, we we thought they would be great. Uh, and, and been disappointing in the postseason. So I think there's an immense amount of pressure on them as well. And when you go in in Colorado and you're going to be facing, you know, maybe maybe the Kings, maybe Nashville, maybe Dallas, maybe Vegas. I mean, all those teams are not any kind of joy to face in the first round. Dallas just went to a Stanley Cup final not long ago. Nashville knows how to really clamp it down with some tremendous goaltending. And Vegas at any moment can become the best team in the league, although I don't think that's going to happen this year. But you know, you understand my point is that there's going to be immense pressure. But those are the matchups that we know that we've locked into right now that would be just epic. And then, of course, what you would get in the second round, potentially, with a, with a potential of a, of a Calgary versus Edmonton in, in the second round. Uh, having Colorado face either Minnesota or St. Louis. Uh, another, maybe a Ranger-Carolina matchup uh, in the second round. Maybe Tampa and Florida facing each other uh, in the second round would be amazing. I mean, really... The thing about that the NHL, I think, has over the NBA, and you guys know that the NBA is my fourth sport, but um, so the, uh, but this isn't coming from any biased place, is that you do see eight seeds and seven seeds make runs. That usually doesn't happen in the NBA. So it really makes for a lot of great and juicy first-round matchups because nothing is a given. Would really, honestly, ask yourself, would anybody be surprised if Colorado or Florida got bounced to the first round? Would anybody be surprised by that as well as they're playing. I mean, that's what the NHL produces, where to see a one or a two seed get knocked out in the NBA just doesn't happen quite as much. Yankees and Penguins says, hey, Don, would you say that Daryl Sutter is the favorite for the Jack Adams? Yeah, I don't think anybody thought Calgary would be this good. So I think he's the favorite. I I have the pleasure of being able to vote for this, um, which I'm honored to do every single year as an announcer. Uh, in the NHL, certainly Gerard Gallant would have to get some consideration. Nobody expected the Rangers to battle for first place. I'm always a Mike Sullivan fan because I'm always surprised that Pittsburgh is as good as they are. You keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. It never, it never has. I mean, should Jared Bednar get less credit because Colorado is so good? Or should he get credit for how good they've been this year? Um, so there's so many candidates every single year, but when you take a look at where Calgary is right now, and I and I really believe this in my heart. When I watch Calgary play, two 100-point scorers, a goaltender that has been phenomenal, a, a very underrated blue line, a team that has been consistent home and on the road, 
I would not be shocked if Cal- Carolina competes for a cup, for Calgary competes for a cup, and we have not seen a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup since 1993. And Calgary is one of those teams that went to a final and tried, and they ended up losing to Tampa back in 04. And then you saw Edmonton try in 06, and Ottawa tried in 07, and then we saw Vancouver look like they were going to finally do it in 2011. And Montreal gave it a try last year. You know, So it seems like everybody but Toronto has had their kick at the can. Toronto's going to be right there as well. That would be an unbelievable final. I'm, I'm sure that uh, ESPN wouldn't be thrilled with it or ABC, but to see a Toronto-Calgary final would be unbelievable for the sport, to see Calgary and, and the great season they, they had. Toronto hasn't won since 67. That could be a lot of fun as well. So I think we're going to hook up with EJ tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, usually he's on Monday, but as I said, these highfalutin golf tournament, and you guys know how I feel about golf, but listen, we love EJ, and we're going to try him on Wednesday, and we should have a clearer picture on where everything is developing as we enter play coming up on Wednesday. Want to get in touch with me? Best way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again with EJ Raddick on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.